Our hospital friends take good care of us all. Let's visit the hospital and pay them a call. Welcome back to Deep in Bear Country, a Berenstain Bear cast. I am your host, Phil Gonzalez, and this week... Honestly, guys, I was expecting to not even have an episode. I have spent the last week doing my one-person show for the Minnesota Fringe Festival. I have one uh, episode. I have one performance left. And I gotta tell you, everyone, it's been going really well. I've been having a blast. I think the audiences have been really enjoying it. I've been talking about these bears. I've been talking about myself. I couldn't be happier. I've learned so much. I have experienced so much. It's been a wonderful thing. And so I just thought there's just absolutely no way I'm going to have the stamina or the time to get an episode in. But the next book I needed to cover was the Berenstain Bears Hospital Friends from 2015. And the crazy thing about this book is that this is like, I believe the first book to come out after I started my shows. 2015, I had just started either recording or planning to record or had just released, I can't remember, but I was very aware that this book was coming out. Uh, They had posted a bunch of stuff about it on the Berenstain Bears blog. It was getting a little bit of media coverage and there was clearly a lot of excitement around it. It almost unbalanced my view of what the Berenstain Bears were at the time. I was like, man, each Berenstain Bears book that's coming out is getting this much media attention. That's amazing. Come to find out that was not the case, but uh, I knew this was a book with a lot of history behind it. I knew there was I knew that this was a book they really wanted to capture the public's attention. I wasn't really sure how anything worked at Berenstain Bears headquarters. I wasn't sure really who was in charge. I mean, in my mind, it was still this like, well, there must be like 150 people in charge of this thing. So as I got closer and closer to covering this book, I decided to reach out to Mike himself to find out what exactly was the story behind the Berenstain Bears hospital friends. And fortunately for me and for all of us, uh, he decided, yeah, I'm just, I'll just, I'm just going to be on your show. I mean, he didn't say I'm going to be on your show. I asked him if he would be on the show, and he said he would be happy to uh, put in an appearance. So, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, uh, here is the interview I conducted with Mr. Mike Berenstain himself about the Berenstain Bears Hospital. Oh, and by the way, before I jump into it, uh, the plot is basically not. He points this out. There's no plot. Uh Cousin Fred has is in the hospital to get his tonsils removed, and the Bear family pays him a visit. Dr. Gert Grizzly shows up, and she takes them on a tour of the hospital, and they just sort of see where the children hang out, and they see, you know, like the waiting rooms. They see, like, the, the sort of communal uh, uh, living area for the kids who are in the hospital, uh, and that's it. You just sort of, it's sort of there to, to reassure children that the hospital exists. It's a place, it's professionally run, and if they ever go there someday, they'll be well taken care of by their hospital friends. So without further ado, here is my interview with Mike Berenstain, the author and illustrator of the Berenstain Bears Hospital Friends. Thank you so much for joining me. Well, thanks for asking me. This is a very special episode of the show because, for a lot of reasons, uh, but this mostly for me because this is the first book I believe that was published after I started this show. Seems seems unlikely, doesn't it? It does seem unlikely. I never you, thought I'd I'd lap myself like this. Yeah. Um, impro- improbable situation. It is very much. Can you believe it's been like eight and a half years? Well, I I believe it because uh, you should know. But <laughs> as I say, 
seems like an unlikely outcome of your enterprise. It really does. Um, I mean, I guess the Berenstain Bears have been going on for over 60 years, so it's nothing compared to that. Yeah, I that it's it's things conspire to make one feel very, very elderly. Yeah. And that's one of <laughs> like I'm I'm forty seven years old and I already feel like the world has been conspiring to make me feel elderly. So Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um I suggest we leave you for your, your progressing middle age. Yeah. Yeah. So the Berenstain Bears Hospital Friends is yeah. an um, it, it's an incredible undertaking and it, it got a lot of coverage like as it was being written. Well, that was part of the plan and of course the was it Robert Burns the the best laid plans to Afghanistan glee or something. <laughs> certainly uh, there were a lot of plans and some of them worked out and some of them didn't. And I don't know to what extent you want to go into that, but it certainly was, it was, a, it was an undertaking, which was unusual in that it really was purely a do-gooder enterprise. It's not that I and my parents have never wanted to do good. It's just that there's usually other motivations mixed in. Whereas this one was just a pure article. Well, let's talk about that. Like you, you said, you don't know how much I want to go into it, but of course I want to go into it. Okay. okay. Uh, the uh, because it says on the Berenstain Bears blog that this is a book that that your parents had been trying to get something of yeah. this sort off the ground for a while. In fact, I was curious when you asked uh, brought up this this the whole thing for an interview. I was curious. Well, what is the history of it? Because I you know I have vague memories. So I went back and looked in files, and I found files of proposals about like the Berenstain Bears go to the ER mm-hmm. going to the 90s. Okay. And I, the manuscript I wrote about going in the hospital, it's like around 2000 or so. And I don't know, to, I don't remember how many of them were submitted to publishers or not. I, certainly some were. And it just never got, the whole concept never got picked up on. Never, It always got backburned. Mm-hmm. I think that was for probably the main reason is that uh, the publishers, Random House and later HarperCollins, they just had other fish to fry. And, you know, you think about it, it seems like a book about going to the hospital is such a basic subject. And yet, from a publishing, commercial publishing point of view, not many kids are going to the hospital at any given time. It's right. Not, it's not really a universal uh, subject that appeals to everybody at once, like, oh, I need that book. You need that book sometimes, but not that often. So I think that was the instinct of publishers is that books about Kids' books about going to the hospital, yeah, it's a staple item, but it's a kind of a minor subject in terms of, of demand. So it probably always got pushed aside, like, yeah, maybe we'll get to it. But it's a major subject when it, it crops up. Exactly. It's that kind of thing. It's like, when you need it, boy, you want it. Right. It's just in terms of mass market publishing with books that you that are low price and low profit margin, the economics of it dictate that the publisher is always going to steer towards subjects that have mass appeal. Right, like going to the doctor. Kids are going to the doctor constantly. Right, you know, right. You know, you know, you've had kids. It's you're always you're always at the doctor's office. You're always at the doctor's you know, constantly. So yeah, parents see go to the doctor. Oh, I need that book. And so all parents always constantly are in the market for a book about going to the doctor's office. But obviously, it's a much smaller market at any given time. So, but curious, curious kind of George went to the hospital twice. Yes, and as I say. It's not that, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a subject that, yeah, let's do this. But I think it always, it kind of gets, as I say, backburnered. It's, it's, it becomes a low priority or a lesser priority from a publishing strategy point of view. And so it kind of never got done for that. Uh, but strangely enough, it has longer staying power than, say, the Berenstain Bears collecting Beanie Babies. It certainly does. Yes. Yeah. Uh, 
Well, I I think that that, sub, that book about the Beanie Babies, if it had been given a, a title and approach less linked to my father's particular enthusiasms <laughs> and interests, if it had been given a more general subject matter, treatment, and especially the title. I mean, it's a mad, mad, mad what it was, what's the title? Mad, uh, mad, the Mad, Mad, mad Toy Craze, I think. I, I think it's Three Mads, because my dad loved that movie. Yes. Uh, with, with you know, Sid Caesar, you know, because my dad <laughs> was an insane Sid Caesar fan. Yes. Article Sid Caesar fan. And the fact that Sid Caesar was in that movie, but I think it was Spencer Tracy. It's, what, it's a crazy movie. Phil this, Silvers, a big Phil Silvers. Phil Silvers right. <laughs> Uh, and so my dad loved that movie. And although it was completely unremembered, even when he published that book, he still wanted to use the title that referred back to this movie with Sid Caesar, which came out in the 60s, I think. Oh, yeah. And is like three and a half hours long, I believe. Yeah. <laughs> it's a modern, boggling, crazy, insane movie. Uh, so anyway. I, it probably won't surprise you to know that as a child, I was minorly obsessed with It's a Mad, 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 Mad World. That does not surprise me. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, so when you say that your your parents really wanted to get that, what is the Berenstain family's connection to to hospitals and children's health? Like, where does that come from? It started out just having children. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, my kids growing up were in and out of the hospital for various reasons, and I thought, you know, wow, this is nothing life threatening. Fortunately, but. You know, have your tonsils out, you get stitched up, all that kind of stuff uh, that kids have. And uh, I thought, wow, this, this is something we really should be dealing with because it's such a it's such a crisis for families and for children going into the hospital, even for a fairly minor, you know, not too dangerous reason. It's just terrifying for everybody, yeah. especially for kids. It's, it's just a horrifying, appalling experience. So anything, if people want and rely on something like the Berenstain Bears to help them with these experiences, what would be a more desirable thing to do than about going to the hospital, the hospital experience? So I, I had that sense. And of course, my parents did too, because you know they, they were parents and grandparents. So that was the initial motivation. But I guess I say it, it just got backburned and pushed aside over the years. But then to give very brief and don't want to gross people out with my personal history, but it's relevant. I was divorced in uh, 2010. I met uh, met my wife, new wife, Laura. We got married in 2012. Laura is a doctor. That's the point of that. She is a pediatric cardiac anesthesiologist. And I, just people, I think, often don't realize that children need specialized anesthesia. They have very specialized parameters. And so that's a subspecial. If your child is anesthetized, it's going to be by a specialist in, for children. Children with heart defects, congenital heart defects, have even more specialized anesthesia parameters. So pediatric cardiac anesthesia is a sub subspecial. And that's what, when I met Laura, that's what she was doing full time at a Children's Hospital in Philadelphia. And I thought, hmm, well, this is interesting. Uh, also, uh, I established uh, when my mother passed away, also in that year, 2012, of the Stan and Jan Healthy Kids Foundation, which was just, we just got put some money into a foundation uh, and started to do just, it's not like a huge amount of money involved, but it's enough to make a difference with specified children's health issues. So we've been donating money to various children's health issues ever since. And of course, Laura, wanted Laura to be involved with that. She's a doctor who better to be running this and advising about what to do. And so out of that grew the sense of, hey, maybe this is an opportunity to do uh, a children's hospital, a very safe hospital book, really authoritatively. Maybe I could get involved with doing research at Laura's hospital where she's on staff. They 
they would be interested in publicizing uh, the world or their hospital connected with the Baron Stain Bears. We could, it would be involved with our foundation. There were a lot of different elements that seemed to work together. And I proposed this to Harper Collins, saying, "If you, are you interested in doing this?" And I would, I was going to do it as a as for nonprofit for you know the Baron Stain side of it. Mm-hmm. I suggested to Harper Collins that they do it for nonprofit, and they weren't interested in that. <laughs> but they were very happy for it to be not nonprofit for the author. Uh, so anyway, that's what we did. <laughs> so and, and basically, any the money all was meant to our foundation rather than personal personal benefit. Uh, and anyway, so I talked to the hospital about that. I talked to Laura, and they all their their PR people got on board. They liked that idea. So I did a lot of research. I, it gave me an excuse. It gave me a reason to go into the OR and watch my wife at work in the OR. And mm-hmm. I did sketches. They let me do sketching. All been guided tours all around the hospital, every every department, including during cardiac surgery, you know, open heart surgery on children, infants wow. in the hospital. So I, I did ex- filled sketchbooks with this work, and you know, they, it was a great opportunity for me because normally they don't allow spouses in the OR. It's not like bring your spouse into work day. You just you know you have you hear about. It. So it was very interesting to see me see what what she deals with every day actually in the flesh. In, so that was a great experience for me. And so the book was decided that we weren't going to do a book. I wanted it to be as general as possible. So it's a book about hospitals rather than specifically about the indi- one of the individual characters going into a hospital with a particular procedure. Mm-hmm. And we set it up a list because obviously one thing that kids experience is going to a hospital visit, not just right. be sick or injured yourself. So I wanted to make it as broad as possible for any any kind of child hospital experience. Uh, what happens if your, your your grandmother's in the hospital or your spouse or your, no, your spouse, your sibling? Um, so that's the premise of the book. That's why it's called Hospital Friends. It's about learning about the people and the experience at the hospital. It's essentially a hospital tour. And yeah, because they go to visit Cousin Fred. He's uh, having a tonsil, tonsils out. So that's the that's why they're there. But while they're there, Dr. Gert Grizzly is attending. You know, She's his GP. So she's in there visiting him. And she says to the Bear family, hey, you want to, while you're here, let's, Learn all about the hospitals. You you kids should know all about hospitals. And so it goes into every department, radiology, you know, physical therapy, and all the drawings and images of the bears doing things in the hospital are based on sketches I did of actual things in hospital kids and circumstances. Yeah. So yeah. And a lot of those a lot of those sketches were shown on the blog. Uh yeah. And you can see that, like, if there's some kid doing some particular, some bear doing some particular thing, that's usually based on some sketch I did of an actual kid in and staff doing things. So that was a fun thing to do. And it's interesting because because the book is a guided tour of a hospital and you were given a guided tour of the like you were taken through the hospital to make the sketches as the cubs were taken through the hospital as the cubs were taken through the hospital to to learn about what's happening. The book is a little self-referential in the sense that you are essentially the Cubs yep. in that situation. Yeah, being, uh, basically, I'm looking at it through brother and the Bear family's eyes. They're, right. They're, sort of, they're looking at it through my eyes, which is a unique thing in Bear cut Bear. <laughs> right. <laughs> How did uh how did the the staff and the kids and everyone react to having a like a, a an artist? Uh, oh, people people love to have people draw pictures of them. Mm-hmm. It's, it's universal. If you draw if you sketch people or sketch anything, people are obsessed and fascinated by, by it. It's just a universal experience. I was once Laura and I went. She went to a medical conference in China, and I was sketching in the the with a winter palace. Mm-hmm. Just crowds of people were gathered around me watching me taking selfies of themselves with me. <laughs> 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 uh, 
so, was yeah, it was it because you were a Baron's was it because you were a Berenstain sketch artist or just because you were a sketch artist? I was a sketch artist and I was a very tall <laughs> sketch artist in environment where mostly it was native local people. Right, right. Um, did, the fact that you're that you were drawing and sketching and uh, very technical, like these are very a lot of these are very technical drawings. Uh, yeah, no, like that's very for me to do. Yeah. Uh, now your father did very technical medical yeah. illustrations as well. Did you feel any sort of connection with him? I, I sure did. Yeah, it was very interesting. Uh, uh, yeah, I thought about that a lot. And I don't know that I modeled my work on his, but I've, obviously he and my mother trained me to draw. Right. In addition to my wonderful art teachers in art school, but they did the basics. So yeah, I, I, I referenced that mentally a lot. Yeah. yeah, I was, I I mean, I've always been fascinated by that part of his his personal history and yeah, uh, it's it is fascinating. Yeah. And so, looking at the sketches online and rereading re this book, I was I was just sort of taken by this sort of long thread, this historical familial thread through just the history and, of the Berenstain Bears. Like it just continues going on. There was a more direct connection with his work at the Children's Hospital where I did the sketching. Turned out, some of the uh, now Laura is a pediatric specialist, uh, but. I was talking to many people, her colleagues, who were you know, adult anesthesiologists, and telling them we were talking about the whole project, and it mentioned my father's connection to. And they they turned out they knew I had. It turned out that we had some connection, some talking to people doing. Uh, and this is I'm not going to this long story, but uh, pediatric uh, plastic surgery. Mm -hmm. I was talking to some of the plastic the pediatric plastic surgeons at this hospital about this project and my father's connection to plastic surgery for the war wound work and, and during the war. Turned out they knew all about the guy who was running, who he worked for, Colonel Blocker. Oh, wow. This gentleman turned out is one of the, the foundational figures in modern plastic surgery. And they, and they know all about him because he later, uh, he was at uh, University of Texas, uh, Galveston. Mm -hmm. He did apparently, growing out of his work on war wounds, after the war, he was one of the people who really founded modern plastic surgery in general. So anybody who was a pediatric plastic surgeon, and you mentioned, I forget his first name, uh, but you know his full name, Dr. Blocker, they know all about him. He's like a wow. you know, basic foundational figure. So that was a weird interconnection. But again, just one of those amazing connections that shows you that yeah. the the Berenstain Bears are connected to everything. It's like that, what is it, the, the, the Kevin Bacon right. game? It's really like that, but I mean, if you ever if you ever want to write the Berenstain Bears and the Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon, I would be more than happy to. Well, we are kind of working on that. Oh, uh, not not exactly. <laughs> not, uh, there's a project underway to do a kind of a full history of the Berenstain world, going back to ancestors. Ooh. So, now you know that that's right. That's right up my alley. That's my cup of tea yeah. right there. Yeah, obviously it's 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 something a project that's being worked on, but. Mm -hmm what's going to happen with it, but you were the first to know that it's in the works. <laughs> I am very excited. Uh, and if it doesn't get off the ground, I, I would well, hope, you know, I would hope to see at least a sketch or two. Well, it's, it's a, it's a make your, you know, kind of book project. Oh, well, yeah. I will, I will keep that on the QT. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, so one of the things that I, that I find very, very fascinating about this whole project is the way it connects to, the books you're writing today, which is about the importance of just community connection, uh, not only in bear country, but for kids in general, like you, 
you are connected to your community through the jobs that people do, but also through this extended uh, concept of when you care about someone, when you when you want to ex like when you care about somebody, it's more than just sitting and caring about them. You you get up and you go visit your friends in the hospital. You you get to know the the doctors and the specialists in your area because that's all part of this connected universe that we share with each other. Um, it's a nice idea, isn't it? Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, and I've noticed that I talk I about how, I don't know how effective the books are in, in getting people to do that but well I wanted to tell you that they are very effective for me personally uh, I have I currently am finishing up a, 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 a one person show at the Minnesota Fringe and the the crux of the entire thing rests on the lessons that I've learned in the last couple of years, simply from your Gifts of the Spirit series, uh, and how what a profound impact they've had on how I literally think about my connection to the world and my connection to the people in the world. And then reading this book and having a friend whose child is in the hospital right now, uh, going through a lot of changes in their life. Uh, yes, I mentioned that. It's a very, I'm sorry, sorry to hear about that. It's, it's, just incredibly profound for me and i i say to the you know i say to my audience i can't believe that as a 47 year old man i am continuing to grow and learn from the lessons of the berenstain bears and specifically from you uh oh, the things that you have taught me about my place in the world uh well i'll tell you i mean obviously a lot of my view of this stuff comes from my parents view they this mm -hmm. was this was their way they viewed the world but uh I need to give credit where credit is due, and that is much of the more specific kind of fine-tuning of these messages that I've been uh, expressing in like the Gifts of the Spirit book. They really come from my own spiritual origins, which mm -hmm. my parents, who were, they were not religious in the conventional sense, but they were very spiritual people, I think, uh, very moral people. But it came out of my background in, as I've mentioned, I think in talking interviews like this before, from the Quaker community in Pennsylvania. That's the origin of my religious spiritual background as an adult. That's what I was exposed to and was in, in, in influenced by. I didn't wind up being part of that community permanently, but that's the origin of it. And really what I'm expressing in these books is what I learned from a small rural Quaker community in Pennsylvania. That's how they approached things. That's how they dealt with people. That's how they dealt with the broader community, their sense of their message. And that all goes back to, you know, their origins in 17th century religion and mm -hmm. a very profound part of history and American history. Obviously, the abolitionist movement was profoundly Quaker influenced. It's originated by them. Right. And prison reform, all kinds of moral things that we take for granted now or should take for granted, uh, originated with the Quaker community in America. And that's what influenced me. So I need to give, I didn't make this up on my own. No, uh, no, I, I, I agree. And actually I, when I had my, one of my guests on Reverend Lauren, she was, when she first read about, I, it was the first book that had the chapel in the woods in it. Yeah. That was, that was very directly based on the Quaker. Very she, directly. she read the book and she was like, I think this is Quaker. I think, I, I think this is Quaker. And I was like, yeah, I think you're right. And, and yeah, it's, at the time, at the time I did that book, I was both going to Quaker meeting and going to a Presbyterian church very often on the same Sunday. Mm -hmm. other. So it's a it's a, a hybrid of and Quakers. That's literally what she said. <laughs> she was you're right. It was but but it's profound and it and it and it worked. And I've always been impressed by by the way you've woven that in and out of the in and out of the books. And that 
where I read, when I read children's religious books, they tend to be very much just about, here's a feeling that you can have, here's a thing you can read. Uh, but the bears are very much about getting out and putting putting the words into action and putting and walking the talk, uh, which is honestly very rare in a lot of children's religious books. So it, these stand out for me and I'm, well, I'm and promoting them. <laughs> unfortunately, the, the more I go in that direction, the less popular they are. Well, I'm glad that you I'm glad that you have this conviction of 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 your beliefs because I figured, I figured we'd give it a shot. Yeah. I uh I I'm promoting them as much as I can because I'm like, no, you really should read these books. Even if you're not religious, you really should read these books. Well, I appreciate that thought and we'll see how it goes. <laughs> you know, as just from a practical publishing point of view, I, I think you know that they hey, they've been re-released in paperback. Yes. And I don't really know what's going to happen with those editions yet. That's fairly recent, and I don't have any. But the hardback, original hardback, expensive, nice editions, they have not. They have not sold well. And I don't. I don't think they're going to continue. So, but we'll see what happens. Back reprints. Well, how has Hospital Friends done over the years? That's a modest success. Uh, I had hoped to promote it because it was this great do-gooder work that everybody should want to be involved with and buy because it's just for the greater good of, of healthy children. I thought that would make it into this huge phenomenon. Of course, that didn't work. But it is, it's stayed in print. It's, I think its total sales to date are 80,000 copies, mm -hmm. which sounds good. But when you consider that that on a really best-selling book could be every each year you could sell that many. Right. So how many years? It's, it's modest, but it's, you know, that's... As I say, this is not it is not a subject matter that lends itself to major sales. It's more like ongoing mid-list percolating along. And that's was that was what it was in the cards for it from the beginning. So the fact that it does that is it, it's fine. That's that's successful. Yeah. Any plans for the Bears to visit hospitals in the future, or is that No. <laughs> I well actually there's no plans. But I wouldn't rule it out. I mean, it, what now that I've done a book about going to, you know, learning about the hospital in general, what what would you do? What would be the sequel? Uh, you, you can the, suggest, suggest the morgue. It. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that would be a real popular book. It could, it could be the last book. I don't know. <laughs> well, one one time, oh, just this is kind of a really ugly joke, but I thought it was very funny. One time, I saw somebody posted a review online about something to do with uh, going like going to the doctor book and somebody posted a review online, which I shouldn't have looked at, but somebody was complaining about how the book didn't deal with realistic medical situations. Like it should have, what happens if the, the bears get cancer? They have given an example of more realistic nitty gritty. And I said in bear, you know, I thought what I thought was only in bear country, if getting cancer is just, you have a funeral. I mean, there's nothing more to be said. <laughs> This is this is bear country. This is not like you go you go to the Mayo Clinic. You know the bear Mayo Clinic doesn't work like that. <laughs> I assume that I assume that the Bears Children's Pediatric Hospital is a little more advanced than it was in 1979. Before I did that book, so. <laughs> right? When something more basic level like the medical care is Doctor Grace Gert Grizzly's office. That's it. Right. Uh, built in a tree. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, well, Mike, a lot, a lot of odd expectations of bear country. There of, are a lot. Uh, I have a lot of odd expectations of bear. Overestimate its economic base. I think. <laughs> Look, it has a big enough economic base to support organized crime in Big Bear City. So I don't know how organized it is. It's like, <laughs> the, the chapter book crime wave was pretty, uh, pretty chaotic. It was pretty chaotic, and I love it. Um, 
<laughs> well, Mike, thank you so much for joining me once oh, again. Thank you. It's been great talking to you, which is it's, deep to my heart. Yes, I, I, I totally get that. Uh, but uh, I hope to talk to you again soon. And uh, good luck with all your future bear projects. Good luck with your one-man show. Thank you very much. That was my interview with Mr. Mike Berenstain, the uh, author and illustrator of the Berenstain Bears Hospital Friends. Once again, thank you so much, Mike, for appearing on the show. Uh, and for all of you out there, I hope you enjoyed listening to that interview. Uh, I have one more show. Uh, if so, if you get this episode on the on Saturday, the Saturday it drops. Uh, there is an ep- There's a show. I, you can come see me at the Minnesota Fringe Festival. At the Rarig Theater at the University of Minnesota, it's at 7 o'clock central, so if you're in town, come on, check it out. Uh, if it's not, if you not, if you can't, or, it's already, or if the thing has already happened, you missed out. It was a great show. Thank you, everyone, for supporting it. Thank you so much for seeing it. If you want to drop me a couple of bucks in support of my art... Uh, you can go to minnesotafringefestival.org and find Lost in Bear Country, and there's a, a little button on there, support the artist, or give the artist a get or something. And you can drop me a couple of bucks. I wouldn't mind. You know, I could buy a coffee or whatever with it. I'd really appreciate it. Uh, pay me for my headache medication that I had to take the other day, because, oh boy, did I get fatigued. Uh, but otherwise, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for listening. There will be far more episodes in the future, because this, this bear train still chugging on those tracks. Uh, so thank you very much, and I'll see you all next time deep in bear country. <laughs>